welcome every single one of you here, especially if this is your first time. A welcome to some of our Lock Haven University students who are back. Um, thank you, Matt, for leading us. Thank you, Stuart, as well, and Cheyenne for your update. Um, let me express how much I appreciate your sacrifice, okay? We take an offering and there's tithes and offerings that are given. That goes for the staffing of this church. And what an absolute delight. It has been a thrill for me to work alongside Pastor Aaron, Pastor Josh, Pastor Stewart. Um, not only do I have the privilege of leading them, but laboring alongside. And uh, this is new. We're trying to figure this out. I was telling them, we, we kinda, if we figure out how to do this dance, we can cover some serious territory as a local church in this community. And I am so excited about what God is doing. Um, even Wednesday nights, I, I have a meeting in my office. It is hard for me to get through the group of junior, senior high kids just to get through them. Um, and we are just so thankful for that. Um, pray for uh, Sue Omer as well. Um, she has the very dubious task of helping keep us organized. Um, pray for that dear woman. She does an amazing job. Um, but all of that to say, um, we have a purpose here, um, that we're not just here to uh, kind of like, let's, let's fill up the next 30, 40 minutes. Um, we just sang about the fact that we worship God. Um, yes, we worship as we are together encouraging one another as we lift up our voices in song and, and, and singing. Um, but when we have the word of God opened up before us, okay, we worship even in our listening. And the, wonderful ta the, 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 the wonderful job, but the great task of preaching and, and I just am desperately reliant that we would worship together as we learn and grow the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. There's a lot in this text. I want to get to it. Let's bow our heads first and just commit our time to the Lord, um, that He would be glorified, the name of Jesus would be exalted, and that together as a body um, we would be edified. Father, we thank You. We praise You for who You are, all of who You are, that we, in our finite minds, really still can't fully grasp. We, we don't fully get it. But I thank you, Lord, that with your presence here through the ministry of your spirit, with your word to us, your perfect word to us, that, that you allow for a few moments something really cool, something really unique to take place, that we get to learn how to follow you. Um, and we just need your help. I, I need your help this morning. Father, I, I pray for every single person that is here. I pray, Lord, individually for people that I know um, are struggling. We're just in the midst of, of some turmoil and some battles. God, I would ask that um, they would be uh, keenly aware of your presence and of your power this morning. Uh, God, please guard my mouth, my lips, my mind, um, and may you be glorified. We ask this in the precious and powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. <clears throat> okay, this whole, this whole theme over the past several weeks, all in. The idea is if you call yourself a Christ follower, I'm a Christian, one like Christ, this is not okay for you. This is not a time, a place. That there's, no, there's no room for you to be sitting kind of like on the sideline 
or in the bleachers watching, okay? That's not what Christians do. We are, we are on the field. Um, you do not sit, you know how you like dangle your feet in the edge of the pool and you kind of sit on the edge? That's, that's not what a pool is designed for, okay? You, you dive in it. That's, that's what you do. Uh, this is not, have you ever sat uh, before a, a banquet that has been prepared for you or a feast that has been prepared for you and you sit down? You don't kind of like, like, like nibble the food from the edges of your plate. That's not, this is a banquet that is offered. You dig into that. That's the idea. We are all in. We talk about Romans chapter 12, verse 1. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices. We talk about the fact that we offer ourselves, all of ourselves. Every breath that you take, that belongs to you, Lord. Every beat of my heart that you've given to me, Lord, it belongs to you. We offer ourselves to God. We look about the fact that we offer our gifts to God. The Holy Spirit has uniquely gifted every single one of us with a spiritual gift. Lord, this is not for us to just gloat and hold on to ourselves. This is, this is a gift that you have given to be used for your glory. We offer ourselves to God, our gifts to God, our actions to God. Every movement that our body makes is to be for his glory. And we've talked the last couple weeks, and we're in this today, and we'll conclude with we offer the right attitude to God. And you'll notice that every single part of this text has to do with our connections and our relationship with other people. And man, that is hard. We talk about the fact that church would be really easy, ministry would be easy if there were no people involved. Problem is, is that we all are here, scars and bumps and scrapes and smells, all of us together. And so we have very specific attention that is given on how do we do this alongside of one another? Now we're concluding this three-part series Uh, on this one message on offer your attitude to God. We've looked at the fact that we're to be kind to those who are unkind to you. Wow, that's hard just in of itself. Secondly, feel the feelings of others. Um, We we talk about, we rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those. we, We have to do that through the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We agree to show affection, to show love and care, even when what? That person perhaps doesn't deserve it. Why? Because we were shown affection and care and love when we don't deserve it. We hang out with the humble. Change the company, perhaps, of those that you're hanging with. Number four, we're to hang out with the humble. Last week, we talked about the fact that we're to seek to be wise in the sight of God. You're you're wise in the sight of God. You will always be wise in the sight of others. Now, we build on this today. I want to read... um, verses 14 through 21, and then we'll continue on with, with points 6, 7, and 8 as we conclude our focus on offering the right attitude to God. Pick it up. You can follow along. Romans chapter 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Here he is today. We pick it up in 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. 
Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Point number six. Let me give it to you quickly. We'll build on this. Leave justice in the hands of God. Now, this is going to be hard for us, but it is one of the most practical lessons for us to learn as we we attempt to have the right attitude as we offer that to God. Leave justice in the hands of God. It says this, repay no one evil for evil. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. How hard is this for us? Let me let me tell you, a couple of weeks ago, um, we were gathering as family um, at Strong Memorial Hospital in, in Rochester, New York. And my mom and dad had come up uh, from Florida and, and we, were, we were in the parking garage at the hospital and my mom was, there's a couple cars, we stopped so, that, so that, that Granny could get out and there's a couple cars behind us that were obviously quite irritated with uh, how, how, how slow Grammy was moving. Now, this is my mom, okay, 72 years old, uh, 15 grandchildren, seven great-grandchildren, 30-plus years faithful ministry on the mission field. She has two artificial knees, two artificial hips, two artificial shoulders, uh, spinal fusions that have fused her spine. She's like, she's the bionic woman, okay, rheumatoid and osteoarthritis for years, and she's getting out of the car to go see her sick great-grandchild in the hospital, and Mr. Behind Us begins beeping his horn because Grammy's not moving fast enough. Now, I, I have struggled in that very moment, and I thought about it, if I actually find a silver PT cruiser with New York plates and a guy with a short sleeve green t-shirt, <laughs> what would I actually do? Now, in my flesh, let me tell you this, there is no grace. There's nothing. Literally, how fast can I slash tires? Everything has come into my... But when you think about it, when you think about it, in my flesh there's no grace, but I'm amazed, I'm amazed that the Holy Spirit indwelling us, I'm amazed at the grace that can come out. And I thought about it, what happens? You know those signs on the, on the road when they're looking for, if you see a, a sign that says, looking for a silver PT cruiser with a guy in green shirt, wants to talk to Pastor Tim, okay, you'll see that like flashing. The extent of probably what would come out of my mouth is, hey, buddy, can, can you stop beeping your horn if there's like an old lady moving slow? That's probably the extent of it. And yet we know in our flesh, it is, it is what, there is nothing. This lesson here this morning, this idea, it repeats what we have already heard earlier in verse 14. We talk about the fact, bless those who persecute you. What? That's what we're talking about. 
Now, let me, let me re-emphasize that apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, literally indwelling us, filling us, we cannot do this. Therefore, this text absolutely demands trust and a faith in someone, a faith in something other than ourselves, because our natural tendency is that we're pretty ugly inside. I live, in a sense, have been raised with this mantra that exists in America. You hurt me, I'll hurt you. Slap me once, I'll slap you twice. I mean, that's, that's the principle by, what, by way of what many of us, and, and Paul, in this particular setting, as he's writing to a, a church in Rome who is suffering horrifically, when, when our mindset would be, you hurt me, I'll hurt you. And, and Paul says, no. No, 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 not here. Now, now, some of you I know, Bible scholars amongst us, are like, wait a minute, doesn't it say something about eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth? Old Testament? Some of you are flipping and Googling already. Wait, wait, what, about, what about eye for an eye? What about it? If someone hurts me, I'm allowed to hurt them. It says it, Exodus 21, Leviticus chapter 24, Deuteronomy chapter 19. This thing is repeated, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Let, let me clarify, this speaks of civil justice. It does not speak of personal revenge. This does not give you an opportunity. You cut my finger off, I'll, take, I'll, I'll cut yours. What, what it means, this idea was given, Old Testament, to make sure the punishment did not exceed the crime. Because our human tendency is not to show any mercy or grace. Instead, we actually want the offender to pay a price that is far greater. It's just a guy beeping his horn. Does he really deserve the wrath? Uh, no, because our flesh... That's what we exude. That's what we pour out. We, we don't live with it, just get even. We live with it. Let's, let's, let's get one up on them. And what we have to do here is remind us, if you look just a couple verses later, in Romans chapter 13, God has ordained authorities in place to make sure that justice is carried out. That we are to rest and trust in him and in his word. Romans chapter 13, verse 4, For he is God's servant for your good. If you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. So what we do is we, we begin with, remember this, justice and true justice and the full weight of justice is in the Lord's hand. It is not in my hands. It's not in yours. Two weeks ago, uh, last night, at an outdoor wedding celebration in Gazanatap, Turkey, there's hundreds of people. They're, they're, they're singing, they're dancing, they're eating, they're celebrating the, the, the wedding celebration of a family member and a 14-year-old boy. 14-year-old boy walks into the middle of that crowd with an explosive vest attached to him. And they're, they're not exactly sure if, if he 
if he detonated himself or whether or not they actually think someone may have remotely detonated that vest, killing 53 and wounding more than 100. Now, now what, what is that? that? That is what we call evil upon evil. It is, it is, it is. Wait a minute. We have a 14. Who, who is responsible for influencing that boy? Well, evil upon evil, we're, we're looking, and people will search as they should search. But you, you can be assured that every single drop of blood, every single drop of blood that was shed, God is fair in reckoning justice upon those who influence that young boy. And, and that's something that we just, we pause and we're like, no, this is, this is how, how do we live with this? We live with an understanding of God's sovereign reign and rule over everyone and everything. Our, our, our natural tendency is you, you find me the people. Our natural tendency is to race towards Old Testament law where, where what, what, this is not our place. And there's a theme that runs throughout Scripture. This is not the only time Paul makes mention of this. If you go on to the letter that he writes to the Thessalonians, he says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another. Well, I, I don't have that ability in and of myself. No, but the Holy Spirit enables us. Peter writes this in 1 Peter chapter 3. Finally, all of you, all of you, all of us together have unity in mind or oneness in mind. Have sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless, bless. For to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. If we are the victim of one sin, and every single one of us here have been at one point the victim of someone else's sin, our natural tendency, the disposition of our own human heart is the manifestation of evil, and it is to get even. In turn, we, we end up, in, in turn, we end up sinning. That, that is not the Christian thing. That is not the, the that is not what the follower Christ does. Instead, what? We are not to seek revenge. Instead, it says, actually, and it gives very specific instruction here. Give thought to do what is honorable. Give thought to do what is right. Another translation in the Greek word is kala. It's beautiful. Give, give thought. Begin to think about an act of something that is beautiful. And Paul gives example here. If your enemy is hungry, go get some food. Go buy some food and give it to him. If your, your enemy is thirsty, then, then you take your own water bottle, you give it to him. And in, and in doing that, it actually uses this phrase. It's a quote from Proverbs chapter 25. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. So in a sense, in our flesh, right there you go. See, now you get what you deserve. It's not even so that they feel really bad about it. This is not for... for even repentance, burning coals throughout the Old Testament has been a picture that represents punishment. They're actually being punished. 
Now, my mom, my mom is the example here. She loved, and I am not exaggerating, embellishing, she delighted when someone was rude to her because she's like, I have an opportunity to heap burning coals on their heads. And she was so precious and so sweet. The person in the grocery store line kind of pushing on her and she would turn and she'd ask questions and she'd have them showing pictures of their grandchildren and they'd be making coffee times together. How did this happen? The Holy Spirit's indwelling, the Holy Spirit flowing. Here it is, here it is, gang. Let's, let's learn to leave justice in the hands of God. Number seven, strive for peace as a testimony of God. We build on this whole idea of what it means to offer our attitude to God. Strive for peace as a testimony. It says this, if possible, which automatically means what? There must be some cases that it's not possible. It's conditional. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. What the author is saying here, what you, you go to every single, you go as far as you have to go to make sure that nothing is on you in your actions. Nothing is rude. Nothing is attacking. Nothing is critical. It says is, is, is instead we are to be at peace, which means that we are to offer a quiet resolved sense of forgiveness to one another. I describe it like this. Do you realize if you begin to understand and grasp the full extent of the gospel, if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know something that they don't know. And when you know what, you know who wins. You know how this thing ends. When you know something that other people do not know, there is an inner strength and a resolve that what all is well. And through your actions, you are positioned or you are placed to give them an opportunity for them to ask, why is it that you have such quiet resolve? Why is it that I can be beeping the horn behind you and you don't say nasty words? Why is it that you respond like that and we have an immediate open opportunity to share the hope of the gospel? Remember, remember this, people are watching. They're watching you. People are watching this church. How, how is Big Woods going to respond when everything doesn't go perfectly according to our plan? And the exact same question, how, how, how are you going to respond? Could I ask this question? Will an unbeliever see something that is entirely different in you? Will an unbeliever see in the way that you respond, even in troubled turmoil, and, 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 and they're, they, they watch it and they can't fully explain. Like, why are they? They can't fully understand. That's really what, what, should be do, what we should be doing. 
if, if they see you, in a sense, respond in a way that they can't fully explain or understand by doing that, you're being truthful, you're being gentle, you're being peaceful, they can't slander you, they can't cut on you, they can't attack you. Sadly, what has happened in all honesty when unbelievers or when the world attacks the church by way of ridicule, mocking, making fun, criticizing in some way, oftentimes it's because the church has given them something to mock. And there are, there are tragic stories and testimonies all over the place about the infighting within churches. We live in a community that is just saturated by churches that have been birthed out of splits. What, what kind of a testimony is that when a church is known for their own backbiting or hypocrisy over and over and over again? I, I, I tell people this all the time. You've heard it. Don't ever give anyone any rocks to throw at you. You live what? You live above reproach. Don't ever give anyone any rope to hang you with. When you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, when you are all in, you're swimming in the deep end of what? Reliance upon the Holy Spirit. There's not going to be anything that they can attack you with. That, that's what we live with. It says what? Live peaceably. Peaceably. The word is irenopio. It means to be at peace, to live at peace, and to live in peace. You've sensed it. There's been those seasons. When, when all hell breaks loose around you and for some reason, for some reason, there is a peace that is beyond understanding. We are to what? We are behave in a way that actually promotes harmony. And one of the ways that we do that is by the fact that we know and we trust God ultimately his will, his perfect will is going to be done which means that we, we, we rest. The quote is Deuteronomy chapter 32, vengeance is mine, I'll repay. The Lord can take care of this. Interwoven with this whole idea, this whole idea is that you, you don't have to fight back and you don't have to cut and criticize and ridicule. God will take care of it. It's a promise within scripture. Trust him, rest in him. So we see, we see, we leave justice in the hands of God. We strive for peace as a testimony of God. Number eight, and finally, trust in the will of God. We trust in the will of God. We need to learn this. It says, do not be overcome with evil. How easy is it for us to be overcome with evil? It says, do not be overcome with evil. Instead, overcome evil with good. Arguably the most important, in a sense, concise statement that is made in all of Romans 12, particularly in light of the, the culture that Paul is writing in, and I describe just the horrific treatment that Christians are suffering in, in Rome in this time, in this, in this place. When the author says, what, don't, don't, don't be overcome. Now, there is little doubt that we live in an evil world. I, I, I enjoy listening to news 
Okay, a bit of a news channel. I want to know what's happening by way of the culture and the context that we live in. But I, I, in all honesty, I have to guard myself to not let too much in. And I will turn it off and walk away. There is so much evil in this world. It, it is easy for us to become overwhelmed. Whereas in the chaos, it needs to be overpowered by it. Or to have what? Triumph or have evil be victorious how easy it is for us to live in a sense with discouraged, defeated, distraught lives. Every time you hear something, there's something else to be fearful of. The rise of ISIS or the Zika virus, or it's not some some particular, there's actually people in panic today because they see mosquitoes. There's something, something out there that's going to get us. We have this whole election, this whole mess before us. And like, what do we do with this? Like, how do we handle this? How do we live in this day? I stumbled upon this, and I have to share it with you. Uh, is actual, true. It was, it was in the Richmond Times-Dispatch newspaper in Richmond, Virginia. It was an obituary that read, listen to this, faced with the prospect of voting for either Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, Mary Ann Nolan of Richmond, Virginia, chose instead to pass into eternal love of God on Sunday, May 15th, 2016, at the age of 68. <laughs> Listen to this gal. Listen to this story. Born, born in Danville, Virginia, Mary Ann was a graduate of Douglas Freeman High School and the University of uh, Virginia School of Nursing. A faithful child of God, Mary Ann devoted her life to sharing the love she received from Christ with all of those whose lives she touched as a wife, mother, grandmother, daughter, sister, friend, and nurse. And he goes on to explain about the names of the kids and the grandkids. I thought about that. That that's really that's that's what we feel like. We're just overcome by this. This is an absolute. Just I, I'd rather be with Jesus. But at this moment. At this time, you're here. You're here with a full knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that is so desperately needed in a bad news world. Now, now we can can live with just like kicking dirt. It's all miserable. It's all going to hell. Or Or else, what? Through the Holy Spirit and through our surrender and submission, God can do an amazing work through you. That, that it's totally different. It's totally, totally different. I was reminded of this. I actually woke up early this morning. I wrote this down. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 21. It says that God removes kings and God sets up kings. Which means what? He's in charge. He's in charge of everything. Every particle of dust that we see, every leaf that we're going to watch turn in color over the next couple weeks, every hair that's on your head, God sees and knows everything. And, and, And we, what? We are reminded. We breathe deep. We breathe deep. And we trust him. We respond differently when, when horns are beeping behind us. And, and, and we thank God that there is an amazing plan that although we are fallen and desperate and sin-filled in and of our own self, that God offered a way for us to be redeemed into a right relationship through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know something. 
Okay, we hold on to this and, and we have the privilege of sharing it, of showing. We do life differently. And there's a great reminder right here that while we're not sitting and kicking our feet on the edge of the pool, we are all in as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ because we understand and know the truth and the hope and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I love you. I love you. I love your word. And I thank you for the privilege that we have of hearing how we are to live and, and live alongside of one another. But God, how, how far short I fall, we fall. And we just, Lord, are desperately reliant and, and help us, Lord, to be quick to confess our sins towards one another and, and, and confess towards you and repent to live in victory and, and to live in peace, to live with a hope and a faith and a trust that all is well. Father, just help us to, to do this in obedience to your word, to do this faithfully and to do it well. We ask this in Jesus' name. need is it that we get to do this thing called church together and uh, grow and strengthen one another as the Holy Spirit